0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 339 of So You Want To Be A Writer, the podcast that's all about the world of writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find writing courses and a wonderfully supportive writing community. And this week, something a little bit different. I'm actually not here with my wonderful co-host, Alison Tate, author of the popular Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban cipher series, because, you know, it's school holidays where we live and I'm sure many parents from around the country and around the world can attest to the logistical nightmare that is school holidays. So I'm flying solo this week. It's a little bit different to normal, but um, we will soldier on. There's no one to talk to who is fair to middling, no one who I can ask whether they really want to hear my word of the week, and no one to talk about the world of writing and publishing with. So we're going to have a slightly different lineup this particular week as well. Also, this episode, we're going to be releasing to you in podcast format our Facebook live that uh, I did with Annabelle Barker, who is an agent specialising in children's and young adult authors. So if you missed that, you'll be able to hear it here now. And she has lots of really interesting things to say about the world of children's publishing and what people are looking for in this current environment. But of course, we can't have an episode without our competition. So this week's is a cracker. We have three copies of *The Silk House* by Kate Nunn to give away, and all you need to do is go to writercenter.com.au/win to enter one of these three copies. The Spellbinding Story of a Mysterious Boarding School Sheltering a Centuries-Old Secret. Australian history teacher Thea Rust arrives at an exclusive boarding school in the British countryside, only to find out that she is to look after the first intake of girls in its 150-year history. She is to stay with them in Silk House, a building with a long and troubled past. In the late 1700s, Rowan Caswell leaves her village to work in the home of an English silk merchant, where her talent for herbs and healing soon attracts attention. In London, Mary Louise Stevenson dreams of becoming a silk designer. A length of fabric she weaves with a pattern of deadly flowers will have far-reaching consequences for all who dwell in the silk house intoxicating haunting and inspired by the author's background the silk house is an exceptional gothic mystery well if you're interested in your own copy then enter our competition go to writerscenter.com.au win entries close on the 20th of july but if you're at that url in the future don't worry there'll be some other fantastic um, competition for you to enter as well Now, regular listeners will know that this is about the time that I say to Al, are you ready for the word of the week? But with no Al there, I'm hoping that you're all going to be receptive to this. So this week's word of the week is heuristic. That's H-E-U-R-I-S-T-I-C. Heuristic. Now, it sounds like it could refer to someone who's a bit hairy, but it doesn't. Um, That's not what it's about. According to the Macquarie Dictionary, it refers to a teaching method encouraging students to discover for themselves. So you might say, Mr Timmerman adopted heuristic methods with the Year 6 students so that they learnt new concepts through their own self-guided research. Big shout out to Mr Timmerman, who was my Year 6 teacher. So that's The word of the week this week, heuristic, and I hope that you are enamoured with it, or more enamoured with it than Al usually would be. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre and our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1. This course is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue, and captivating plots all in a supportive environment in this 5-week online course with your very own tutor giving you personal
1: feedback each week. Here's what Astrid Schultz says. I'd always loved writing, but it had taken a bit of a backseat while I was working in film and pursuing my career and I tried a few times to to write a different story but I usually would get stuck around 20 to 25,000 words and I didn't know or have the tools to kind of continue with that process to see the manuscript through. So that's what really led me to looking at a course to push through to the end. So the first course that I signed up was for Creative Writing Stage 1. It was just a great starting point of acknowledging that this was something I wanted to take seriously. It was something that I was investing my time into. The things I found most useful about Creative Writing One was actually being in a classroom environment with other people who had the same desires and aspirations to be published as I did. So it also gave me a wonderful network. It was just this really wonderful time where, you know, you set aside certain hours a week and you would go into this very supportive environment and learn about something that you're extremely passionate about. So you get to keep that community alive through the Facebook groups to have to support you through your writing career. I enrolled in several courses at the Australian Writers' Centre and each one gave me some sort of knowledge or skill or advice that I didn't know about whatever the topic was, whether it was creative writing in general, how to write a novel, how to write history, mystery or magic. And it really kind of gave me this general understanding and base for going out into the world with my manuscripts and hoping to get published. I did envision myself being a published author ever since I was a young kid. I'm so excited to say that I am a published author.
0: If you'd like to find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. Let's move on to our writer in residence this week, who is actually our agent in residence. We're talking to literary agent Annabelle Barker, who specialises in children's and young adult authors. As I mentioned, this was originally a Facebook Live that was part of our Creative Conversations series, so you're going to hear some um, me reading out some of the questions that people asked Annabelle because this was part of the questions and comments that were part of the Facebook Live. I'm sure you'll get a lot out of it. Annabelle talks about how authors of children's and young adult books can stand out from the rest of the crowd. She talks about the importance of laying the groundwork before pitching to an editor and gives us her five steps in terms of what you need to do in order to pitch successfully. So let's have a listen to Annabelle Barker. Welcome, Annabelle. <laughs> Hi, Valerie. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So, uh, Annabelle is chatting to us from sunny, well, maybe not so sunny, (laughs) Melbourne. Uh, And Annabelle, maybe if you can just introduce yourself, tell um, everyone a little bit about what you
2: do. Sure. So, I'm Annabelle. Nice to meet you all. Um, I'm a literary agent um, based in Melbourne, and I'm also a rights agent, so I work for publishers as well as um, writers and illustrators and um i specialize in children's and ya i don't cover any other genres i read widely but um i absolutely specialize in in kids books of all ages from preschool up to teenage ya Um, and i think i'm one of the few agents who do that Um, i have a very specialized approach i've always worked in children's publishing Um, until recently i worked in-house at hardy grant egmont Um, i was managing director there and then rights director and I've also worked at Pan Macmillan and Hachette and some other places over the last 15 or 20 years, I guess. Um, Yeah, so I have a background specialised in in kids' books, so yeah. Fantastic. Um, So we've also got someone
0: all the way from Massachusetts in the US. So hello to to you as well, Janine. Now, obviously, we are going to be covering things like um, how to pitch to an agent or a publisher, um, things to avoid when uh, when you're doing that, um, how to get an agent (laughs) um, or a publisher. But before that, I just wanted to start, because we're talking about children's um, and young adult authors, I just want to start with perhaps if you can talk about some of the trends that we're currently seeing that children's and young authors need to be aware of.
2: For sure, um, Valerie, I'd love to. So um, obviously there's trends across all genres. Um, You know, I think those of us who work in children's books or who write children's books understand that um, you know, a picture book is not the same as a YA book. There's a massive range of different trends across those types of genres. Um, And Valerie and I have been talking about a blog post Um, that I'm going to do, which might cover some um, trends across some of the other age groups um, that I cover as an agent. But I just wanted to mention a couple of big ones at the moment um, that I see as kind of um, definitely growing and expanding um, across in Australia and also internationally. Um, A lot of my experience is selling rights into the North America and the UK as well, so I I probably follow those trends pretty closely um, through my reading and things as well. you know, of course, publishers are looking for two things. You know, behind the scenes, they always want great writing and they want great stories, and those two things are paramount in children's books. Um, children, but children can be a pretty harsh audience, as you guys would all know. You know, they won't read something that looks cool, so it has to be a great book. So above all these trends, it has to be um, good writing and and great or, or great story um, in order to be successful in the children's world. Um but outside of this, I think publishers live in the real world and they follow worldwide trends, not just in children's books, you know, across lots of other types of things as well. So they're interested in um, big trends like, you know, imp- climate change and sustainability and Black Lives Matter and kind of big things that are happening in the world, COVID-19. That kind of thing is reflective of what happens in children's books too. So some of the trends we see absolutely are um you know, they're, they're reflective of what's happening in the real world. Um, but two things I wanted to talk about a little bit and maybe are related to those kind of big world trends. Um, one of them is in the nonfiction space. Uh, so books for kids in non-fi- children's nonfiction has really changed, I think, over the past um, few years and uh, really continues to be a very big trend that publishers are all looking for. Yeah, I think in the past, nonfiction books for kids were very um, You know, there were books like DK, photographic books about space and things like that that kids were really reading a lot of, um, you know, a few years ago. Now, nonfiction books, I think, have really changed and they're being published right from picture books up to YA and publishers are looking for books on real world topics that are relevant to kids understanding of the world. So something we might be seeing a lot of at the moment is a lot of books on climate change, um, Mm. books on the bushfire, um situation that we had earlier this year in australia i think there'll be a lot of books coming out um, on those kind of bigger real world topics that we see um, in the news nonfiction um, non-fiction books cover um, you know really interesting uh, formats and and um books about non-fiction real world topics
0: Okay, fantastic. So that's one trend that you're seeing that with the non-fiction. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, the other one I think is really interesting is the growth in middle grade. Um, mm. Over the last couple of years, I think Australian YA went through a really big point a couple of years ago with the Love Oz YA hashtag and um, there was a lot of very big support for Australian YA. Uh, and I think that's still happening, which is fantastic. But I think there has also been in the last couple of years, a lot more Australian middle grade being published. Middle grades are really hard um, audience to write for and people who do it well, I think are very clever writers. They really think a lot about their audience. So uh, I think there is um, kind of a bigger respect happening for that kind of middle grade reader and some of the middle grade books we're seeing now um, are really dealing with a lot more complex issues um, in a very respectful way, I think, for those kinds of you know, stories discussing trauma or big, you know, big picture issues um, written in such a way that's relevant to a sort of nine to 12 year old reader. So I think um, it's quite an important age group and hopefully we're seeing more and more books coming out from Australian writers in in that area. Mm. Okay, so it, um,
0: it, it, that's uh, trends in nonfiction, and they are books. Guys like um, Leslie Gibbs' recent books, The Carters, um, Pamela Freeman's um, The Desert Lake, um, and also yeah, the growth in in middle grade with authors like um, A. L. Tate and Tim Harris and um, some fantastic authors in that space. I know that a lot of people who are on this um, Facebook Live. They are really into picture books. Yeah. And um are we seeing any particular trends with picture books? So young the younger than middle grade?
2: I think in you know, in the same way, um nonfiction trends in picture books are really strong as well. So mm-hmm. definitely seeing some people tackling um real-world issues in picture books. Um, you know, last year there was Sophie Beers, Love Makes a Family. Um, you know, re- reflective of the same-sex marriage vote, um, those kinds of books that um, are, tax- you know, tackling things that are happened, happening to kids in the real world. Um, you know, Philip Bunting did a book on um, sustainability, which has just come out. There's been quite a few books tackling those kinds of issues. I think um, those kinds of picture books are, you know, always really popular at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. In others, yeah, there, there's there's... Yeah, I think great illustration, I think, is starting to, you know, Australian illustration, Australian writing is really becoming very sought sought after internationally. So I think um, there's Mm. definitely strength in the Australian picture book world at the moment that's getting a lot of international attention. Mm. So before we get into the real nuts and bolts and nitty-gritty of
0: pitching and getting the attention of agents and publishers, um, I just want to ask also, in case anyone's unclear, if you can explain what an agent does and before you do that i just have to say hello from dc we've got and also hello from barbados so you know that's great um but also of course hello from perth hello from brisbane um a lot of um uh, people from you know melbourne canberra and so on so thank you all for joining us but yeah if you can just quickly define what an agent does the role of an agent yeah
2: so agents are all different, I guess, um, and I think we all do different things in different ways. Um, there are, you know, strongly editorial agents. Um, I'm not one of those, but um, there are there are agents who will absolutely edit your work line by line before they submit it to a publisher. Um, most agents will um, will be kind of a, a second ear for you to um, submit your work to before you want it to be out in the real world, um, before you want it to be. Um, sent to publishers so the things that they can help with initially are getting your pitch right making sure the voice is really strong in your writing structurally edit your book such that um, you know it makes sense to a reader um, and then you know come back to you help you with your bio and really sort of the nuts and bolts of your pitch before it starts to be sent out to a publisher the other important thing that publishers do is that they hold very strong relationships with editors um, so they will know what publishers and editors are looking for um, and they will recognise that in your writing and then they'll know the right people to send it to. So that's um, the connection between the publishing world is, is the most important thing that an agent does. Um, they can help you to form your writing into something that people will be interested to read um, and hopefully they'll get more eyes on something that than you can do perhaps yourself.
0: So um, this might be an irrelevant question, but um, everyone also often asks, do you need
2: an agent? Do they need an agent? That's that's a really good question. In some countries you do, absolutely, but I think not in Australia. Um, Agents are not that common here. So um, I don't think you need an agent in Australia. If you can find other ways to get to publishers, you know, there's lots of other things you can do. You can enter competitions. Um, You know, there's many many writing competitions in Australia. There are great pitching sessions that some of the festivals run. Um, So there's lots of ways you can find your way to publishers without having an agent. Um, An agent can be really helpful, uh, but they're also hard to get. So I think um, you can can absolutely find success without an agent in Australia, Um, less so, I think, in other countries, less so in America and the UK. So Alyssa's asked this question, but Alyssa, I need you to expand on that because
0: it's very broad. How important is the relationship between agent and artist? So we're not going to answer that yet. Alyssa, if you can expand on that to drill it down a bit, because it's really <clears throat> The short answer is it's important. <laughs> so um, if you could just, yeah, explain that a little bit further. We've also got some other questions, which I will get to, because um, I'm gonna incorporate them, you know, when it makes sense. Uh, but let's get into then the nuts and bolts. So we now want to pitch our manuscript to an agent or a publisher. You've mentioned to me before, there are some things that you need to do even before you even contemplate. Pitching, and I hope you guys have a pen and you're you're taking notes, um, or you can listen to the replay, I guess. But yeah, what are
2: some of those things that need to be done before you even consider pitching? Yeah, I actually think the preparation work is is even is just as important to the pitch. You know, you can't just send your book out into the world and expect people to have a look at it without really preparing, doing the 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 groundwork in in creating a really good pitch. So, um, I've written down five things that I think are really important. Um, pre-pitch as the kind of preparation and I'm happy to go through those. Mm. Um, So before you start pitching I think the first thing that you really need to do is find a writing community or a peer group of sorts. Mm. Um, You know I see a lot of writing that's literally never seen the light of day. Nobody has ever read it outside of the author Um, and I think that's um, you know, many authors work solo. Like I think a lot of us in publishing and writing are introverts and it's really hard to share your work with the world um, when it's very personal. Um, and the thought of pitching your work can be really daunting. But I think it's really, really important that you find a group of people or another person who can give you some critical feedback mm-hmm. uh, that you can really listen to uh, before you send your book out into the world to anyone else. So, I think you don't want the agent or the publisher that you're sending it to be the first reader. And not your kids, not your partner. No. (laughs) Part of your family. Um, Yes. Proper feedback. And I
0: will jump in and say that if you are doing courses at the Australian Writers Centre, you will have a ready-made group of people in your cohort or in your class, or even if you end up not quite gelling with them, you have then the alumni group, and you will definitely find people in that. So, um, but you can look for it elsewhere as well, but there's a kind of ready-made group if you do courses here. Okay, that's a really good one. Find a writing community and make sure that other people read (laughs) your manuscript before.
2: All right. Um, The second one I think is um, a fun one that I like to do um, and that I, before I pitch a book, I like to sketch my reader. Um, And I know you're all writers and I can't draw to save myself, but this is something I quite like to do. Um, And you never have to share your drawing with anyone, but I think this is a really helpful task because it helps you with your writing. So it really makes you think about who is your reader. Um, you know, how old are they, what's their reading ability, are they a reluctant reader or are they a really strong reader, Um, what else are they reading, what are the other books that they might have on their bookshelf as a kid. Mm. Really personalise the kid that you're writing for. Um, And the thing that this does is it really helps you nail who your audience is because the number one thing that I think is important to publishers and important to to agents is getting your audience right. Um, and publishers call this positioning, um, this mm. concept, but it really is about um, an author thinking about who they're writing for. There's so many things that I think I receive. I People are not sure what the age group that they're writing for is or they're not sure what the reading ability of the child they're writing for is. And I think in children's publishing you need to have an understanding of, of who you're writing for.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, you know, and That's a good one. Yeah, I think that's um, really important and probably the most important thing.
0: And I just want to circle back because Janine has a question that was relevant to what we just discussed. Is it better to have a writer's group who is more familiar with YA and children's lit or does it matter?
2: Um, I, I think it's helpful because you'll find that people who are uh, familiar with that area will will understand who you're writing for a little bit more. Um, so if you give a YA book to someone who's never read a YA book, then... You know, I, I do think that's probably a you know not a not a great level of feedback that you might receive so yeah I think if you can find people who read in the genre that you or even if they just read in that genre personally if they like books in that area um, you probably find some more relevant feedback
0: all right so back to the preparation right get a find a writing community and sketch your reader what's number three
2: um, related to audience I think is really researching the market so mm. um, the other thing that I think is really important in children's publishing is the marketplace for your book, uh, and that's more understanding the practicalities of the genre that you're writing in um, before you pitch it. I think, you know, it's hard at the moment, obviously, but when, once you can find your way back into the magical places that are libraries and bookshops, um, <laughs> you know, you can, you can just look on the shelves and think about where your book fits. Um, mm. And it's not just about looking at retailers. I think it's also researching things like awards, you know what? Which books won the CBCA award last year, and which ones won the premiers and the prime ministers' awards? Things like the Text Prize and the Ampersand Prize for YA writing. Um, you know, see what kinds of books are on those lists and who's writing them. And it will really help you to, you know, to think about whether your book is—is is it a really commercial book that's going to sell hundreds of thousands of copies, or is it an award contender? Um, you know, just helps you think about where your book will be sold and the place that it might find in the market. And maybe just write yourself a few notes about about that. That's helpful, I think. Great. And um, fourth? Number four is set yourself up online. So um, the first thing an agent or a publisher will do when they receive your work is Google you. Mm. (laughs) Guarantee that they will look you up online. So... Uh, having some sort of online presence as a writer is really important. And Mm. a lot of people don't feel super comfortable with that. But, um, you know, if you can, even if you just have a social media structure, if you've got an Instagram set up or a Twitter profile or a LinkedIn account, um, make sure you mention that you're writing on there. Um, A lot of writers and illustrators now have a website, you know, even just a one-pager, just saying who they are um and that's that's a really important thing as well these days
0: definitely and that's basically um making yourself googleable make and findable and um build this it's the start of building your author platform and for those of you who um want a step-by-step blueprint have a look at our course because it's uh, just go to the url at the bottom of the screen and search for build your author platform and there's a step-by-step you know blueprint on exactly what you need to do but that's a good one too get, get be findable because the, the, the famous saying goes your reputation is not um what you say it is it's what google says it is and i think
2: that's so true or right, yeah, number five in terms of prep number five i think is related to that and that's writing a really good bio of yourself so i i see a lot of really good bios and then i see a lot of really terrible ones that i just think mm. um you know all agents are different, but I really like to see a little bit more of the personal side behind someone's writing, and I think you can do that with a really strong bio. Um, you know, it's lovely to hear that you are from Melbourne and you love reading books, but that's kind of not that interesting, I guess, to to be the first thing that you tell someone about yourself. You know, you might want to <clears> – <throat> you can either relate it to the book that you've written, you know, you might to your own personal experiences as a reader, as a child, or as a writer – Um, perhaps if you've written a book on um, sustainability then you want to have some credentials that kind of describe why that's really important to you Um, or even if you've just written a middle grade or a YA um, contemporary story you know what kind of inspired you as a child to write a book like that you know I really liked hearing about people's backgrounds as kids and why they're writing for Mm -hmm. kids you've got to remember that your audience here is children's uh, is children or, or teenagers, and it's really important to people understand why. I, I thought of a good example this morning. I was trying to find a um uh, mm. bio that I liked, so I looked at Rebecca Stead's website. I'm sure you know her well from US Writing, uh, Beautiful Stories for Middle Grade and Teen writers Readers. Mm. Um, she's got a really lovely bio on her website um, that you guys could Google, and it just basically is, it's very simple, but it just talks about her um, you know, how she grew up reading as a child. And I felt I really connected to that as a reader myself. Unless it's oh, yeah. okay. but I think yes. um, it's a good it's a good one to have a look at. Um, definitely so of- if right. mm-hmm.
0: So everyone can um, look that up uh, after, after this session. So um, just to let you guys know, if you make a statement, I'm going to assume it's a statement and it's not a question. So you know, if, you, if you haven't actually got a question attached to your comment, it's not going to get answered because it's, it's not a question. Um, so just a very quick one to Carly Taylor, who has said, my name is very common when people Google, they find other people with the same name. Does that matter? I mean, I think that what you would do there just to just to jump in is to make sure that you have the words Carly Taylor author in lots of places on your website so that most people will probably google Carly Taylor author or Carly Taylor books um, yeah so if if you have something different to add to that let me know um, Annabelle
2: I think, no, I think that's a really good question because a lot of people worry about the spelling of their names or books, you know, people that there are, it's a common name. Yeah, absolutely. Include writer or author in your uh, website and on your profile. Great. We've got
0: heaps of questions. Um, How does a middle grade writer get their stories in front of middle grade readers prior to publication? for feedback if they don't have a career such as a school teacher. Oh, well, I mean, Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, is a middle grade uh, author, and she is not a school teacher. And um, I know that one of the things that she would say is, um, number one, go. find that writing community. So you might find it in, like I said, places like the Australian Writers' Centre, but one of the things that she would say is go to conferences and you will meet many other people who are like-minded as in conferences for um, children's literature uh, or or, or YA or whatever. Mm. So yeah, what would you say some of the conferences that are useful to go to Annabelle?
2: There's there's lots of them around the States of Australia and probably, you know, there's quite small conferences. There's a kid lit conference in Melbourne and they're popping up all over the place now. Um, But I think, you know, it's harder this year, obviously, because many, many conferences are being cancelled. Um, there's a lot of great resources online at the moment. Um, yes. A lot of conferences are, are having online coaching sessions and things um, that they're running. All right. Um, so, but I, sorry, I would just maybe add to that. Um, you don't have yes. to find middle grade kids to read your book. You just need to find people who are familiar with middle grade writing. I
0: think that's, that's a really the, good point. Yes. Thank you. Um, well, let's get into the nuts and bolts. So Emma has asked the key question, how do you get slash approach an agent? Is it the same process as approaching a publisher? So w- let's get into yeah, your process because I understand that you have a
2: three-point strategy <laughs> for for pitching. It's, take it away. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's mainly just to make it useful so that people can write some things down. There's lots of different yeah. ways you can obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that's a good question, Emma. Uh, Finding an agent is pretty similar to finding a publisher. Um, The first thing you need to do is look them up, find them somewhere and uh, make sure that they're accepting submissions (laughs) because lots of agents don't, unfortunately, um, and lots of publishers don't. But most people, most agents or publishers will will have some way they're seeing new work every year. So if you spend enough time online looking them up and you've got your eye on someone who's the agent or the publisher that you really want to work with, find out what conferences they're going to that year, Um, where have they been the year before, they're probably going back to the same ones. Um, Have a look on their websites and look at their submission guidelines. They might not be accepting submissions now, but maybe they have a month every year where they do. Uh, Lots of publishers have one day a month where they accept new work. and yeah it's it's not i guess it's not rocket science to find them the key is then getting your pitch to sit above where everybody else's is so that you your your book will get read that's the key Um, and the first thing you need to do is just really follow those submission guidelines closely because if you make the mistake of not formatting your book correctly or doing something that just I just feel like that publishers and agents receive so many books that if you if you don't follow the guidelines, it's it's not that hard really to to read a paragraph that tells you what they're accepting, and it, it can be the difference between whether your book gets read or not. So, I can't you know I can't say enough that that's really really important. Um, that's not not that's not part of the pitching strategy. That's just mm. you know do your homework. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. Um, but um, as far as pitching, I think it, related to that particular um, topic, the first thing you need to do is find out who you're sending your book to. So, you know, do a lot of work Googling the person that you're sending it to. Don't just send it to 100 people and ex- expect that they're the same, they're going to accept the same work. You need to really personalise um, your pitch to the person that you're writing to. And that's a little bit just you know in the same way that uh, um, an agent or a publisher will google you you can google them and find out what do they represent what kinds of books are they interested in what do they publish um you can really get a really good sense of of who they are their own personal tastes from spending some time online looking at their twitter profile or understanding what they're commenting on online and you, once you've got your heart set on who you want to pitch to um if you know a lot about them then it really helps you to to personalize a pitch to the extent to say I know I see that you publish these books and I know that you you write a lot about these kinds of topics and I thought you might be interested in my book because it seems like something that might be familiar to you or that you might be interested in I know that you publish a lot of middle grade and I've written a middle grade book here so those kinds of things just help a publisher to think oh yeah they've spent some time thinking about who I am that's just as important as as you spending time on your own your own profile. So you think tailoring is very important? Tailoring your pitch yeah, is yeah. very
0: important because there are a lot yeah. of people who have a, write their letter or email and mm. spray and pray, you know what I mean? They get yeah. a list somehow of agents and they write the same letter to, this, to 20 different agents. Um, that's inadvisable
2: from what I'm hearing. I wouldn't do that personally. I'd be, I'd be better off spe- spending time on five good pitches, personalising them, and then sending a hundred pitches of the same pitch to everybody else. I think you have more success writing a really good quality pitch that's personalised to the person. You know, right, Don't right. put the agent. That's the worst thing you can do. <laughs> we'll just they'll just delete it. So don't uh, don't put the agent, did you
0: say? No. Or worse, I, I used to receive pictures um, when I was editing and I would get Dear Deborah. <laughs> yes. <That's> great.
2: <laughs> yes. I'm wrong. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> All
0: right. So, was that point one in your th- three point, point
2: strategy? One. Mm-hmm. Who, you're, who you're writing to? Um, okay. <clears throat> point two um, What's your book? So I think this is you've done the groundwork now. You know what the audience is, and you know what the market is. So, for example, um, I'm go, I've got some examples here. This is a graphic novel for ten to twelve year old readers. So mm. write that in your book, in your profile and put it up the top because that is just a, an opener that a publisher will think. Right, I understand what I'm receiving here. If you if you wade through, have to wade through three or four paragraphs before you understand what the book you're receiving is. That's that's too long to read I think you need to be clear and upfront about what your book is immediately you know this is a this is a board book text for you know three to five-year-old readers um, who are learning first concepts like those things Mm. are really to um, to do this is a beautiful book about sustainability you know about protecting our forests picture book relevant to five-year-old readers or, you know, whatever the market is. So I think you can be really clear about the audience and the market um, first up, and also I really like to receive comparative um, books. So I think if you can also say something like, I am inspired by the writing of such and such, Mm -hmm. and I feel it's into that particular genre of writing, that really helps me to place where you're coming from straight away. So fantastic audience and market nail that really up front i think that's the key
0: mm-hmm. great
2: um so know who you're sending your book to and nail the audience and market up front um yep. and point three. Point three is also related to the groundwork you've already done and that is who am i so including your email a really nice short bio about who you are and why you've written the book uh i think that's It's really, really important um, to an agent or or a publisher to understand who you are up front. You know, same thing. Um, This Mm. book was written by a guy who had the experience of um, growing up in a refugee camp in Somalia. That is absolutely integral to me knowing why you wrote that story and it would absolutely tug at my heartstrings immediately and I would open that book. So I think if you can really give a strong reason why you wrote that book up front, you know, either through your own experiences or something that you feel really passionate about, then I think if your passion comes through in your email, that's, the, you know, will really help me to understand why you've written for kids mm-hmm. and why you are for children. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's paramount.
0: And I just want to add here, because some people listening to this might say, you know, that's all really useful, but what should I actually write in the pitch and mm-hmm. read the submission guidelines? Because yeah. th- that's the short answer. Because it will tell you what to write in the pitch. So make sure that you read the submission guidelines, and they will be on the agent or the publisher's, um, you know, website generally. Um, so that's that's very very important. Just to 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 make sure you that uh, you know, as Annabel said, you, that you follow that. Before we head over to the bazillion questions, what should you not do?
2: Some things that you should not do um yes so there are some mistakes to avoid i think mm. um one th- th- the big one is not reading the submission guidelines <laughs> <laughs> i can't you know overestimate that because the number of times mm. you know my submission guidelines say please please attach this amount of your work and a bio and usual often i receive not those things or the other thing i find um is somebody querying me without submitting? So I find they'll introduce themselves and say I'm writing a book and that's great, but I need to receive the book and the pitch in the first email. Um, you know, pu- publishers and agents don't have time to write back to people and say that's lovely, wonderful, please send me your book. I think um, it's just, you know, it's just about, um, you know, getting that right straight away mm. I think really, really important. Um The other things I wrote down, um, yeah, don't pitch without knowing who you're pitching to. That's important for me. You know, I'm speaking on behalf of myself and not other agents. Maybe other agents don't mind so much, but I'd like people to know who I am before they they send me their book. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there's some other things to be careful with. I think those are the two biggest mistakes, just not getting the submission process right.
0: Okay. All right, great. So I'm going to go through... um, some of the questions so just bear with me because i need to get them um marinda has asked can you discuss chapter
2: books trends and things to be aware of that's a good question yeah great marinda i think um i think you mean by chapter books that are sort of junior fiction which might be the kind of bad guys um age group kind of kids who are writing five to seven year olds so It's been a really huge area actually in the last um couple of years that's mainly been around illustrated chapter books uh they're hard to do i think they're really hard to write well and get that age group well um trends are they're heavily illustrated now so that's something to be aware of there's fewer of the books that are just written as text only so that's to be aware of the fact that if you write a text for that age group uh you need to understand that it needs to be something that can be illustrated quite clearly. Um, There's been a move away from the very narrow, um, short chapter books, the kind of, you know, 60 page uh, book for little kids to children of that age group reading quite dense illustrated fiction. So I think publishers are looking for books that are a bit chunkier um so you I guess you need to be aware that if you you can still write a short text but maybe you need to write two or three stories about the same character that can be included in the same book and also be aware that it'll be heavily illustrated
0: um Marindja, if you want to find out more go to au slash chapter books and that um can give you a lot of basically a really good guideline on exactly what you need to to know regarding chapter books so Elisa um, remember had the question about how important is the Mm -hmm. relationship between agent and an artist and she's clarified that with the connection between people is tangible in most instances do you look for people you vibe with
2: yeah really good question Um, I mean I I try to be careful not to look for people who are the same as me I suppose so I I quite you know as a Everyone works differently. I think that's really important to to note here. I quite like to work quite closely with my authors. Um, So I do have a personal relationship with them, but um, that doesn't mean that I have to connect with exactly why they're writing their book. Um, You know, really try it. And good publishers do the same thing. They don't need to believe the same things politically. They don't need to be Mm -hmm. exactly on the same page. Um, They just need to believe in the writing and to believe that this person has a good reason to write that book. So, uh, yeah, I think you need to recognise, probably more important is that you recognise why that person is connecting to their writing um, rather than having a a kind of vibe between you and the author Uh, and then, you know, you might represent work that's perhaps not just the same thing um, you know, that's important for me as well. I'm a white middle-class middle, middle class woman. I don't necessarily want to be writing. I don't want to represent just the same people who are the same as me all the time. Obviously, some people, yes, but I think I also want young writers and people of colour and people who are not the same person as me. So I need to be open to stories that are not the same as mine.
0: Mm. Question from Beck: I'm wondering about the tween age group, mm. upper end of middle grade, lower end of YA. Does it exist?
2: And how do you pitch it? I think it really does exist. Um, upper middle grade is really strong area at the moment. So I think that really uh, relates to the trend around middle grade, that there's a big difference between, you know, lower middle, you know, the kind of younger age of middle grade, which is probably eight to 10 year olds. And then um, the upper age of middle grade, which is probably 10 or 11 plus. And that doesn't mean every reader falls into that category, but just as a broader definition around the kinds of kids that can tackle that work. So, yeah, I think if you're writing a middle grade text, it's helpful to know if it's for that upper middle grade age group or not, because you can can tackle slightly more complex themes. The content can be a little bit stronger um, than it can be for kids who are, say, eight and maybe not ready for those sorts of topics. I think it's a really strong area. It's something that um, publishers are looking for. Great, and
0: also because we obviously have writers from all of the different ages. Yeah. Sandy has asked what trends are publishers looking for in YA. So yeah, that is a big question, really. So good question, Sandy.
2: Um, yeah, why? I mean, why is such a broad area um, at the moment? <laughs> um, there, people are looking for great voices in YA, and that's a sort of you know industry talk. But I think um, one of the things that um, publishers are saying that they're interested in the moment is kind of contemporary uh, escapist YA, so um, kind of funny or um, great teen stories that kind of take people away from their current reality. So there was a big trend around dystopian fiction in YA and up into uh, fiction, that fiction for adults as well. And I think with the reality of this year, there's maybe been a slight move away from that and yeah. people stories that are different to their, their reality so yeah i think um really heart. i think Australian writers write that heartwarming YA that escapist YA really really well and um you know i'd love to hear more to, to hear more contemporary YA stories what's what do you mean by escapist YA specifically i just think um i i personally really love um you know teenage um you know teenage stories like from Rainbow Rowell and Becky Albertalli in America and, you know, books from people like Nina Kenwood that was published last year in Australia that are, um, you know, really grounded teenage stories that um, kids will be able to recognise themselves in. Uh, I think those kinds of funny, um, heartwarming stories are really popular and that's something that I personally like to read as well. Obviously fantasy is a really big area in YA as well, completely on the Mm. other side of the spectrum. Uh, It's hard to get fantasy right and there's such a lot of people writing it. Um, doesn't mean to say there won't be another really huge fantasy success soon. There hasn't been one for a little while. It'd be interesting to mm-hmm. see um, some more people coming up with big fantasy stories. Great. So question from Elizabeth, which is, um, uh, you
0: know, we see this question a lot too. If you have an online presence already under your real name, but for a different profession like journalism, mm-hmm. should you create a new set of social
2: media accounts for your author platform? great question great question um i think personally i wouldn't um you know maybe when you're a you know published successful author you can consider that alongside your publisher but um as an agent or a publisher i'd like to know who you are as a as a person outside of your writing career and if you're a journalist then that's great you know that's a great thing to be um you know i'd say not i think it's really like some people, of course, have their own private social media accounts, like their own private Instagram accounts that they may, may not necessarily want to share with, with people they don't know, and that's fair enough. Um, so perhaps set up a different social media platform for your writing in that regard, set up a Twitter account or something like that. Um, but I don't think you need to pretend you're somebody that you're not Yes, there
0: are a lot of people who, um, you know, write under a pseudonym or, or write under a different name because of a different genre, but they have one social media um, presence. And I think also if you do set up a whole new set of accounts, then you've got two beasts to feed and you'll end up not doing a very good job on on both of them instead of a really good job on one is what I have witnessed when I've watched people do it. And I, and, and I see them create the second account. And I think they're crazy. And it, it, six months later or a year later, it's proven to be correct that they just it, they let it peter out because they, they end oh. up only focusing on, on one. It's um, yes, it's confusing as well. Um, Nikita has asked, what are the rules for swearing in YA novels? I've read a few that have swear words in them, but I'm not aware of any set rating guidelines like for movies.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't think YA has any rating guidelines. Um, <laughs> swearing, fine. I would say I don't. I don't have any with swearing, but I think the publishing world's pretty progressive. They don't. Um, they're not going to be frowning upon. There's a lot of more serious things that happen in YA than than swearing. So, yes, but, and I think the guideline is: is swearing is appropriate
0: if it's appropriate for that character and it's authentic and it makes sense. But if you're just chucking it in there and it actually doesn't fit. Well, that's just not going to be considered good writing. So, as long as it's authentic to that situation and character, um, yeah, I good agree, good? Valerie. Yeah. So, Cindy, should I pitch as three small stories or one big children's novel?
2: Do you need clarification on that, or you're clear on that? Um, I mean, I think it depends on the book. Um, you know, it's it's probably hard to know without knowing what your book is. Um, I think have a look around at other books in the same level of writing that you're in in whatever age group you're writing for. Sounds like younger books. And just maybe see what else is being published before you think about pitching.
0: Mm, Okay. What do you think are the benefits of having an Australian agent as
2: opposed to an agent from overseas? Um, Yeah, thanks, Belinda. I think uh, it's really your choice. It's really hard to find an overseas agent. So that's not a, you know, it's hard to find an agent in either place. But um, a lot of people have great successes by finding an international agent, so that's um, a, you know that can be a really big benefit if you find an agent in America. I guess you won't have the same personal connection to the market here. If you want to be published in Australia um, first, then you probably should find somebody here. But if you've got really high aspirations for a big international book, um, Mm. You know, Astra Schultz's book last year or this, there are great benefits as well to be having, a, there's more agents in America and the UK as well. So it's really a, a matter of personal choice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, for unpublished writers, how many manuscripts
0: should we write before approaching an agent or a publisher? Should we have a portfolio to show? <laughs> Good question
2: um i don't think you need a portfolio i think you need to be committed to writing so if you've written one picture book then you probably will get less attention than if you say i've mis- you know i have written numerous texts or i've got lots of other ideas that i could share with you um that's really helpful to know i think in the older age groups it's much more understandable if you've just written one book uh probably depends on the genre i I think also that people, agents and publishers are going to
0: judge you <clears throat> on that particular book, but they will be asking you, what are you writing now? What are you writing next? Or uh, you, as, as Annabelle said, you need to show that you're committed to, to writing. Um, and in terms of how many manuscripts you should write, however, manuscript, however many manuscripts it takes for you to finally get to the one that you think this is i'm proud of this this is really the best it can be and and sometimes it might even be how many the question more relevant might be how many drafts should you write well Mm. there are some people who write countless drafts but it's however many drafts it takes to that particular manuscript is the best it can be i think um beck has a question children's books sometimes have a secondary adult audience Mm. should you mention that in your pitch good question
2: Um, I think there are certain genres that have that, certain areas of the children's book world. YA is obviously a really clear one that moves up into the kind of 20-somethings and older. You know, I read a lot of YA personally outside of work. Um, That's helpful to mention in YA. I also think there's a genre of middle grade family stories that are really widely um, accepted as kind of family viewing in the same way that movies might be books like wonder and those kinds of books that are really um become part of the kind of fabric of our society and and a lot of people read them outside of outside of um the children's book world so those kinds of areas of publishing it's it's helpful to mention that this could be a really strong um family story if you can think of comparative texts that it relates to then that's good but you know picture books Maybe less so, unless you're Shaun Tan or someone who's writing for an audience that's adults. Perhaps not.
0: I love this question. Lynette has said, do you need to put your age on your pitch? Would publishers look at a new author who is older as unacceptable?
2: That's a really good question and absolutely not. You don't need to write how old you are.
0: Um, You know, agents and
2: publishers should be open to people of all ages and shouldn't matter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You should listen, Lynette, have a listen to the podcast episode that we did with, I think it's Hilary Spears. And she, her first book got published, I think at the age of 76 or something like that. And she's now had several. Um, So yeah, it's it's never too late. Mm -hmm. Amy said, if an agent agrees to take you on or asks for your full manuscript, is it appropriate to still query other agents
2: before committing? Great question. Uh, it's still appropriate. I, I think per, this is probably quite a personal um, thing for agents. I quite like to know if you're submitting to other agents at the same time as me. So maybe if you could mention in an email to say, I've also sent this to some other agents. I don't know who, I don't need to know who they are, uh, just so I can be aware that there's other people looking at your work. Um, and wh- I think once we have an ag- agreement that at that point, you, you know, of course, no longer mm. need to. Sending it out. But at the query stage, you should be keeping your options open.
0: Yeah. Yes. If you've signed something, yeah, don't go to other agents. But if you haven't, yeah, that's okay. All right. Um from Alyssa, again, I have an appointment with Jacinta Damas in July as part of CYA. Should I have a couple of extra story pictures up my sleeve in case she asks for more?
2: Um, That's a good question. Jacinta's a great agent. That's really great to be able to pitch to her. Um, I think uh, it's helpful probably to have a couple of other ideas. You don't need to necessarily write them, but I think if you can show that you're committed to writing and if she says if you've written anything else, it could be helpful to have a couple of other ideas up your sleeve.
0: And, in fact, I think it was Shelley Unwin, one of our graduates, who was pitching to an agent, and that agent didn't want... um, to hear any picture books or, or whatever it was mm-hmm. at the time. And so she came with, she had some other pitch, but then she had the picture book up her sleeve. <laughs> so I could be mixing up the wrong person, but th- this author had the, um, picture book uh, pitch up her sleeve and happen to pitch it at the same time and in the end the agent took that one on and in the end that's the one that got published. So it's it's always useful just to have them up your sleeve and if it's appropriate then, you know, discuss it. Uh, If published overseas, will it make it difficult to publish in Australia?
2: Uh, No, it doesn't necessarily make it any more difficult. Uh, I think if you live in Australia and you've been published overseas, you know, you might be... You should have more luck finding a publisher here uh, if your book's already been published.
0: Jeanette is asked, I'm writing a set of three junior fiction books with the same characters. I have finished the first. The second is nearly complete. Should I wait until all three are finished and polished before submitting the first one?
2: Uh, That's a really good question, Jeanette. I think probably not. I think you could write the first two and then map out the story plan for the third and that would be fine if you had a storyline mapped out. If you've written, you don't need to write all three books. Um, yeah. I think that would be fine to, to submit to publishers.
0: But submit the first one, right? Or, or wait? Not she. Jeanette doesn't have to wait till the second one is complete.
2: No, I think she could. As long if you've mm. got a plan, you know, make sure that you mention that you've planned three in the series and that they, this is the outline. Um, it'd be really helpful to have a series outline if you want it to be a series, uh, and then. You can pitch the first one and the series outline. That would be fine.
0: Uh, I know another one, a good one, that um, people always ask in this similar situation where you've got three, they and they want it to be a series of three.
2: Mm-hmm. Does
0: the first one need to be standalone, like read as a standalone book?
2: That's a really hard, good question. Series are very hard to get published. So, uh, you know, it really depends on the book. And it, if, if you really believe it wants to be a series, you can absolutely have a go at pitching it as a series. Um, a lot of publishers, it's a big commitment for a publisher to take on a series, I guess is the thing to know. And important to remember that they they have to be able to make a series viable. So it's a lot of marketing and background commitment in order to commit to a series. So if it can stand alone as a read, even if you pitch it as a series, it, it probably helps, um, you know, but you should stick to what you what you really want
0: it to be. So we've had some really great questions. I want to ask a final one because we're almost at Mm -hmm. the hour and that is what is going to give people the edge when they are pitching to an agent or publisher? What is it that's going to make them stand out? Because you've told me how many you get pitches that you get in a day and I was really, yeah, that's that's a lot. So what is going to make people stand
2: out? Uh, That's such a good question. It's kind of the... (laughs) (laughs) the holy grail kind of question, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, what the ultimate aim is to get somebody to open the work that you sent them. So that's the key. And, you know, if you polish the first chapter really well, that's a really good point, point to make too. Make sure your opening paragraphs are really strong in the book that you make. But outside of that, you just need to give your pitch something special and I think the best way to do that is to give it a personalized touch uh, just make sure you're different to everything else that people are receiving um, you know try not to try not to be too stock standard in what you're saying when you're when you're writing to someone
0: yeah and that boils down to the tailoring to that agent right and also mm-hmm. making it clear that that you're really committed to this whole process
2: yeah, absolutely. I think that's really, really important for people to hear, uh, for an agent to hear. That your commitment to writing is is really important to you. They want to know and, about
0: that. And is there anything else you'd like to add to inspire
2: people on their journey? <laughs> no, I'm just so pleased that pe- there's so many people writing um, Children's and YA and, you know, great to hear that there's people tuning into something that's specific to kids' books because, um, you know, it's the, absolutely the best part of the industry. So (laughs) I'm really pleased to have people tuning in.
0: Thank you so much to um, Annabelle. I really appreciate you spending uh, your time answering all of these questions. Uh, We put Annabelle's website, so you can check out Annabelle as well. Annabelle's website is here. Um, Thank you also to all of you for participating. Um, If you want to find out more about different courses, particularly in the world of um, children's and young adult and picture books, um, check out writerscenter.com.au. The, in particular, like our chapter book course, is, get, we get so much incredible feedback from it. Um, uh, Annabelle mentioned Astrid Schultz, who got her overseas deal for Four Dead Queens and Australia, and she's done our courses as well. So many people who've done our writing picture books course uh, are now published picture book authors, and that's really exciting. Um, so thank you, everyone, for joining us. And thank you again, Annabelle. Really appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to do this. Thanks, Valerie. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Annabelle Barker. I'm also hoping that my partner in crime... The wonderful Alison Tate is back in action next week, even if school holidays is on, because there's so much that we need to catch up on and so much that we need to talk about. In the meantime, it's been so great to see so many young people enroll in our new Teenage Creative Writers Program for budding authors. It's such a fantastic program. I'm really proud of it. And it's really going to help young writers who are passionate about storytelling, who are passionate about words, really get into a rhythm and really get some structure to their creativity. And I'm sure that they're going to love it, especially because they get their very own mentor. If you'd like to find out more, go to writerscentercomau slash teens. That's writercenter.com.au slash teens. Of course, you'll find all of the show notes over at SoYouWantToBeAWriter.com.au. If you'd like to connect with me, I'd love it. Go find me on Twitter at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, same handle on Instagram, and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time.